Tarantula. Yeah. May give it to me. I'ma pull up so lit, I just might crash, dog. Let me take this Balenciaga mask off to ask y'all who asked y'all. See, he told me to stump my ass off, that's all. Bop, 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 bop. He was a good cat, my bad, dog. Don't put no K after that B, boy. Bad call, that's flag talk. Fuck around and knock your flag off. I had to. I wore a gap before a tattoo. I had to. As a matter of fact, I had to. No cap, I'm on them capsules. I done relapsed, boo. But I've been on my feet since Cinderella lost the glass shoe. The cash blue, but I'm still seeing green. I'm in the bathroom and I'm peeing lean. My bitch a vacuum. I told her keep me clean. The scene serene. I'm a badonka donk in bikini fiend. I just need a queen that ain't scared to fuck a Stephen King. I used to live next door to Drake and Mama D and Lisa D on Eagle Street. How I go from bars on the screen, though, to the TV screen. Don't ask me, but never change the channel. Gucci flannel, Gucci socks, Gucci sandals, Gucci teddy bears and pandas. Not fake propaganda. About to blow out the candle. My little hoe out Atlanta. Got a hoe out Atlanta with a hoe out Atlanta. She a hoe out Atlanta. We get it. That's just the same in these city. My bitch ain't better than P. Diddy's. And ever since the pandemic, they don't want that Drake out of Canada. I've been screaming free Drizzy. I know they trust my vision, but don't want me to see. Prison. Said I can't make no promises, either leave or come visit But leave the keys to your heart next to your soul and your spirit Some see graffiti as art, some could see hoes to be women But I'm the greediest shark amongst an ocean of killers I put you six feet deep, I'm being socially distant Nina Ross on the hip, the 44 is my mistress Extra shots, extra clips, ain't talking videos, no So Just come to see about it, bitch Don't you? What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jordan. And this is Desmond. And welcome to episode 49 of Two Black Nerds. That's right. It's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. And let's not forget to mention you can head over to twoblacknerds.com right now to order some merchandise we got t-shirts crew necks hoodies stickers mugs everything you need so go ahead and show some support and place those orders right now on today's season finale we're going to be talking about the newest trailer from eternals the latest film from marvel studios directed by academy award-winning director chloe zhao DC also has a new Batman animated series in the works, as well as Injustice Gods Among Us being adapted into an animated feature film. We're also going to be talking about Amazon wanting to buy MGM for $9 billion. Oh my goodness. As well as a host of other news that broke this week. Before, But before we get to any and all of that, we are going to kick off today's show by talking about a brand new film which just premiered this past week on Netflix. Zack Snyder's latest movie, Army of the Dead. Mr. Ward, how would you like to make $50 million on a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere, met up with a gambler, we were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness, the boredom overtook us, 
and he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces. Think about everything we did, all those people we saved. The way they held their Look what he does. You don't mind my saying. What if? I can see you're out of ace. What if just once? We did something just for us. You ready to play? There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. They are. They're smarter. They're faster. They're organized. Yes, what you can hope for is to die. Oh, Shiza. You got the No wind to fold them. No wind to walk And no wind to run. Tiger. That's crossing the line. Now, this film is written and directed by Zack Snyder. It's also written by Shay Haddon and Joby Harold, and it's starring Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Amari Hardwick, Ana de la Reguera, Theo Rossi. Matthias Schweighofer, Nora Anazadar, Hiroyuki Sanada, Tignataro, Raul Castillo, Huma Kureshi, and Garrett Dillahunt. Wow, that's a mouthful. All the names. Um, all the names. Uh, we also held a Two Black Nerds movie night this past week to watch this mm-hmm. brand new film. So thank you to all the folks that were able to join us over on Twitter and live tweet about this experience. Um, again, this is Zack Snyder's latest film. Um, funny enough. He actually directed another zombie film, really to kick off his career, almost over 15 years ago, Dawn of the Dead. That was his first full-length feature film, which really put him into the forefront of mainstream public consciousness. And now here he is, all these ladies returning to the zombie genre. This is not a sequel to that film. This is its own standalone film, but it's interesting mm-hmm. enough to see Zack Snyder return to form, in a sense, with Army of the Dead. So with all of that said, man... Let's go ahead and get into our thoughts about this movie. What did you think about Army of the Dead? Army of the Dead, man. First and foremost, one thing I really love about Zack Snyder is just his ability to have fun making a film, dude. Um, No matter what we're watching, whether it's 300 or Sucker Punch or uh, Watchmen or, of course, uh, anything in in the DCEU, you can just tell Zack Snyder has a good time making it. Um, and, and, you know, he can often be experimental, which of course often leads to, uh, a a mixed bag of choices for him and mixed feelings about his films. You know, they are, um, have always been mixed critically, uh, but he's, he enjoys himself. 
And I think that's what Army of the Dead is. Zack Snyder going, doing what he does, having a good time with all this bunch of madness uh, and, and just giving us what he would do as a filmmaker. And that's so cool to me because, you know, there's a lot of directors who, um, even though they're more, let's say, uh, maybe like tighter in the way that direct films, Zack is just... Uh, that that experiment the experimentation isn't always there, you know. Um, people play the safe game, and I love Zach because he's almost never safe. I've never seen Zach Snyder make a safe film, so uh, I, I had to say that about him before him. But um, of course, uh, this movie follows the world of a zombie outbreak, um, and they they contain it in the city of Las Vegas. Uh, Dave Bautista's character is approached uh, by someone to put together a team to go back into the contaminated Las Vegas area and essentially perform a heist um, for some money in order to get money in return. So Batista puts together this team uh, of, I don't know if misfits is the word, because low-key they like fit together in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I guess like a team of misfits of people that he had to work with before um, at the beginning of the apocalypse uh, in order to get to safety. Um, man... This film knows exactly how serious it is, I think, um, because, again, it's Zack Snyder. He just like he has funds with his films and I, he knows that. And that's some a lot of times his directing style. He's like, I know what this is and we're and we're going to make it that um, it's gory, man. The makeup is crazy in a lot of different ways. Uh, I actually watched the making of the film. I also watched the the small thirty minute documentary they have on Netflix, uh, and a lot of that stuff is really impressive, which I also enjoyed too. It actually kind of helped um, help me appreciate some of the things they had in the film a little bit more uh, than I did before. Now, like the way they had they got people to park zombies to parkour, all kind of crazy stuff, uh, and just to be able to see the way that they created this world, right? Because it's set in Las Vegas. Of course, they couldn't shoot block off the strip in Las Vegas. You know, a lot of it, a lot of it uh, had to be CG. And, uh, and a lot of that stuff is really cool to me. So it's kind of like the nerd coming. Out. I was like, oh, man, this is this is, this is really dope. Um, but, you know, there are, there are moments in the film that are honestly p- paced poorly for me uh, where I think there are just certain scenes that could have been shorter because either one, I'm hearing information I already heard before or two. It just felt a couple beats too long, you know, simple as that. Uh, and I, I don't believe the entire runtime of the movie was necessary. It just felt it felt like we could have got to some action a little bit faster in a lot of different ways. Like besides that opening scene, which, first of all, the opening credits, we, we could talk about that by itself. I, I Even though it was very Zack Snyder-ish, it was like his style. It was one of the best opening credits I've seen in a long time, to be honest, because it, it, it just had that feel. Uh, we kind of talked about this on Twitter, too. It had like that Watchmen feel to it, right? Um, where again, there's a lot of slow mo. Uh, it's a song that you wouldn't expect to be part of a zombie apocalypse, but it works. Uh, and and it was actually a lot of action in it. Um, and I I thought it was very well done. Um, but you know, there's um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, uh, there's you know something. Uh, I would have loved to see the opening credits is something I would love to see in the middle of the film. I guess something mm-hmm. opening credits esque, maybe not slow motion, maybe not the music, but the the environment that it builds. It's it's literally the misfits battling zombies together. And I don't mm-hmm. think I ever got that sense of togetherness throughout the film. 
and and I wish I got that in real time, um, which you know never really happened. But um, I guess one one more other nitpick. There's he did like this building of characters a little bit in the film, and in some some things it works right. Like when you're watching, I don't know, like Suicide Squad or something, you're like, okay, we get it. But here he kind of does it, and for me, it it doesn't work because they felt so disposable throughout the film. Like, everyone mm. felt disposable. Like, sure. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, anybody could go at any time. But, and, and I think that was part of, maybe part of the runtime too. Like, maybe paying a little bit too much attention to some characters wasn't it because it, it didn't pay off in the end. But, you know, um, regardless, man, Army of the Dead is, is what I expected for the most part. Uh, I just enjoyed a film where I could turn my brain off and laugh and enjoy the f- madness of zombies and zombie tigers and shit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just enjoyed a movie where I could have fun. Because a lot of movies aren't like that today, you know? Like, everything is like, no, this is a serious-ass movie. And you're going to take it as that. And I think that's why I enjoy things like that. And I'm excited for things like Fast 9. Because, it allow, like I said, it allows me to turn my brain off and just have a good time. So, uh, decent movie, man. I, I, I liked it. I think... I do think it was quote unquote good, um, but it wasn't amazing. It wasn't amazing, but nor nor did I hate it. It was just a really fun film for me, and I appreciated that. Yeah, you br- you brought up a lot of stuff that I'll I'll definitely touch on as well. I, you know, to start off, really, I think the the influence of George Romero still continues to loom large over over the zombie genre and filmmaking. Obviously, because of just the pioneering things that he did with uh, that Night of the Living Dead franchise back back in the '60s and the '70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think always like the 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 genre of like zombie films, they've always typically worked really well. And again, this comes from George Romero. They've always really worked well when they are sort of serving as like allegories for larger political conversations and moments of, of things that are mm-hmm. happening at the time. Um, again, we saw it in, in George Romero movies. We see it in The Walking Dead where mm-hmm. the zombies aren't really the story. Like, of course, they are, you know, placed there as a antagonist, but they're they're not the main mm-hmm. idea or the central sort of conceit of whatever it is that they're that they're sort of going for. And, you know, I think even with like a movie like Night of the Living Dead, the fact that it comes out in 1968, it, it's obviously sort of reflecting a lot of the tension that existed in the country at the time, like the racial, political tension, all these different things. And so with this movie in particular, Army of the Dead, I saw that there were moments where they were starting to open up that idea of mm-hmm. some of those more political conversations and, and reflections of like what we're going through. You know, there's there's moments where you see refugee camps and, and mm-hmm. how people are displaced you know, who probably once lived in Las Vegas or the surrounding area of Las Vegas, and now they don't really have a home. They're just sort of living in these camps. Also, like, covert government agendas and not really knowing what their intentions are or they're mm-hmm. they're telling society one thing, but they're actually doing another. Yeah. Or even something that feels just so such like a nail on the head at this moment in time. I don't think this was intentional because they filmed this before the pandemic, but they had like the temperature monitoring, which was Mm -hmm. very like, it was a crazy visual because it's like, this is literally happening to us right now. And again, I don't think that they intentionally did that because of COVID. I think it just happened to be, you know, one of those coincidences, Mm -hmm. but all that said, it just goes to show that this franchise and this idea, and I guess this genre of like horror 
so to say, like zombie films, they can always be they can always be bigger than what they present themselves to be. And mm-hmm. so even though they're considered like B movies and their general like popcorn entertainment, they're meant to thrill you. They're meant to scare you. Um, I, I think these films often have shown that they can be a little bit more than, than what they present themselves to be. And I saw that Zach in this movie was. I guess trying to go for that in some instances, but didn't mm-hmm. really take it anywhere further. And ultimately, like the whole experience for me, it just turned out to be fine. Like it was mm-hmm. okay. And I think because I did actually expect something different out of this experience and I didn't get what I thought I was going to get is, is what mm-hmm. kind of lent itself to that. So all those things that I mentioned, I didn't think I was going to get any of that. I thought that this was going to really be a film that was just balls to the wall ridiculous campy over-the-top violence and what what i found is like zach was actually going for a more heartfelt story about a father and his daughter and sort of a reconciliation between those two and Mm -hmm. i'm not mad that they went for that because ultimately like to get us invested in character and story makes complete sense like if you don't want to just give us general blockbuster entertainment and you want to actually give us people that we care about, all right, that's fine. I can totally get behind that. We've seen it work before, obviously. But the marketing and the way that they presented this movie didn't feel on brand to that. You know, we saw that trailer, Mm -hmm. and that trailer was fucking bonkers, and we see, like, the posters and the marketing, and it's very very splashy, it's very big, and again, Mm -hmm. campy, and... You see the first five minutes of this movie with that opening montage that you mentioned, and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm in. I'm mm-hmm. totally invested in this. This is going to be just a completely crazy time. And really what ended up happening, I think, with this movie is that it peaked early. The best mm-hmm. part, low-key, is that opening montage. Yep, and that's part. That's not a great thing when your movie mm-hmm. is 148 minutes long, unfortunately. You know? And that's not to say that there weren't other good moments that happened throughout, because there certainly were. The zombie tiger was put to great use here. What they did with the zombie tiger, ultimately, I'm like, yes, <laughs> more of that. That was perfect. Right. But some of these characters you don't care about because it is sort of mm-hmm. this ragtag group of mercenaries. And there's one who's supposed to be the comedic relief, and I never found him funny. He was just clumsy to me. Mm-hmm. And then you have like these other muscle-bound, swole mercenary guys in the middle of the desert but at that moment it it should feel like predator and it never felt like predator it never Mm -hmm. felt like this hyper masculine big machine like if that's what you're going for then go for it right Mm -hmm. but they never really went for it i feel like that they actually just kind of um fell back into some more of like the dramatic moments but the dramatic moments for me never really they never really meant that much. Like Batista, he did a pretty good job. Uh, for for lack of yeah. a better term, I guess I guess he had to carry the movie. Although I don't know how much work is really required in that aspect when you have like mm-hmm. thousands of zombies in Las Vegas and there's actually like a hierarchy to these zombies. And I did like that aspect that this is like a hierarchical system mm-hmm. of zombies. Like there's actually like a there's an alpha, you know, as they like mm-hmm. to mention in the in the movie. Like, there's actually a system of 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 class, like within the zombie structure, which is a new cool idea. But um, you know, Batista did pretty well. I like to see like the emotional and dramatic range from him. Yeah. But um, you know, it just didn't entirely work for me when the rest of the characters don't don't really resonate in any meaningful way. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I kind of I kind of came into this thinking it was going to be like a, a mix up of Ocean's Eleven meets world war z where you're going to get this really intriguing heist film 
but there's not really a huge heist aspect to it. They just have to run and gun. You know, mm-hmm. it's it doesn't it doesn't implement any of those like typical heist film tropes that you would see the planning that has to go behind pulling off something of this scale. Right. And I guess maybe that's the point. The fact that you're dealing with zombies, the undead, what the fuck can you really plan for? So, mm-hmm. you know, I can I can give them a pass on that. But then like the World War Z aspect of it, there weren't enough thrills really. It wasn't enough exactly. thrilling moments to to, to mm-hmm. really get you like on the edge of your seat. Where it's like when you watch World War Z, that film is like fucking nonstop for two straight hours. It's just like right. chaos and carnage. And it wasn't really that here either. So, you know, again, there were good moments. I like Batista. I like, I like the fact that they tried to implement some, some aspects of a, you know, of a, of a story that you should care for. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Zach to, to, to everything you said earlier, Zach is a, I mean, there's no other way to put it. He is a polarizing filmmaker and you're Mm -hmm. really, you're either going to really kind of be down with his idea and his impulses or you're not, they're going to work for you or they're not. And, uh, for me, it's, it's always been interesting to see like a lot of the times they do kind of work for me, especially like from a visual aspect. He's an incredible mm-hmm. visual filmmaker. And I think he uh, he has an eye unlike a lot of others out there and he can really bring something to life and make it look gorgeous and beautiful on screen. We've seen that countless times before. But there's also other things where I'm just like, man, there's a lot of that. Like, do you have to use depth of field that much? Why is mm-hmm. everything so fucking blurry here? Why yeah, do we gotta? He did it why a do lot. we gotta do this a lot in this movie? You know, and mm-hmm. it was it was a little bit overwhelming at times. And you know, again, the music montage it really worked here. I was like, okay, this is gonna mm-hmm. be like at least 65 percent of the movie, but it wasn't. That works for me, but other things don't. So you know, all that to say, it was it was fine. It was okay, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't it didn't it didn't create this fun, engaging entertaining experience like i really thought that it would and i was Mm -hmm. i was disappointed by that i'm not gonna lie so i know that they have like other things planned they're gonna do a prequel film that they've already like i think they've already like started shooting parts of it there's gonna be a spinoff anime series so netflix is bought into this army of Mm -hmm. the dead world and i know zach he 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 already has an idea for a sequel and kind of set it up at the end anyway Mm -hmm. um so there's things there that they can pull from and continue to make this like a big franchise but I'm hoping that in the future, if they obviously when they continue to do more, that we can just get just a little bit more fun because it wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be. Yeah, I have I have to be with you, man. Um, like I said, I was looking for the wild. There, we we got eight people in the middle of the street fighting gangs of zombies, and I just never got it. I was looking for it because that's what the beginning gave me. That opening credits was just so good. Um, another thing that I I didn't know until I watched that making. Uh, of of the Army of the Dead um, was that Zack Snyder DP'd this. I didn't know he was the director of the photography uh, photography mm-hmm. on this project, uh, which has to be rare, where you both direct and are holding the camera <laughs> throughout the entire happens. film. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm like, ah, that never happens. But it's just one of those things where, uh, even though, of course, you know, it it was just fine for both of us. It sounds like I think that's still like a cool. I'm going to show my chops, you know, small thing that he kind of did. I just thought that was cool. A uh, little little fun fact. But, man, I, I I have to be with you all the way, man. I just needed more. This is a crazy-ass sequence of zombies doing this and that. Uh, yeah, I just they just shouldn't have put, split up the team, I think, long story short. Or, yeah. And even that planning that you that you talk about with normal heists, they did it in, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. They were, like, very rushed. Like, hmm. Okay, that was quick, uh, but you spent 
I don't know, X amount of time for this girl to explain to us what's going on in the world. Bro, it was, yeah, whatever. Um, it, it was just small things like that, but whatever. Yeah, I think, I think if they constructed the, you know, if they constructed the, I, and I can't even, calling it marketing is a reach because Netflix doesn't do, <laughs> doesn't do marketing. But for mm-hmm. the trailer and for the promotional stuff that they did roll out, I think in the construction of it, if it just, presented itself a little bit different i, w- I would have came in with a certain expectation like okay mm-hmm. this is actually going to be you know again a father daughter story but it, w- it wasn't that man that trailer was like this is zombies in a fucking casino shoot them up like boom 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 like it's going crazy exactly we're, getting, we're trying to get 200 million dollars like this is mm-hmm. i'm thinking all of these people and they kind of are all of these people are like on the fringes of society, they don't really mm-hmm. fuck with anybody. They all got past, and they they kind of were, but we didn't lean into that. You know, there wasn't mm-hmm. to your point that that moment of assembling the team, right? Like when you see an Ocean's right. Eleven movie, when you go and assemble the team, every person that you bring into the fold, that should be a moment. It's like, yeah. oh, that tells me everything I need to know about that person's mm-hmm. personality, and it, it didn't really happen here. Um, I don't know if you knew this either, but what, what's also interesting, uh, Tig Notaro's character, the, the helicopter mm-hmm. pilot, mm-hmm. she was actually added in well after the movie. They actually had another comedian cast in that role, um, but they they removed him from the film because he has uh, some very serious sexual allegations against him, and I can't remember mm. the guy's name right now. I'm not familiar with his work, but they added Tig Notaro in at the last minute, and Tig never, ever even met like many of the main cast members. Like She's never even met Dave, B- Dave Batista because wow. they filmed all of her scenes Last year during the pandemic, after they were well, you know, finished with shooting, they shot it in, I think, an airport hangar or something like that Mm -hmm. in California and did everything on green screen. And basically, Zach and his post-production team just kind of like digitally inserted her in Mm -hmm. into sequences when they were like in groups or, you know, when they had to figure out the cutting and the sequencing of scenes. Obviously, she wasn't going to you know be interacting with anybody that was on camera because she didn't film with them so right. they had to figure out how that was going to work out and it was just like this whole process and apparently it added on like a extra few million dollars to the production you know to this film which is like damn that's a costly Jesus. that's a costly addition you know for it something is. like that um mm-hmm. Because they didn't really do any reshoots outside of that. They didn't really do any mm-hmm. reshoots for this film because uh, they finished in 2019. Pandemic happened, but everything was pretty much locked until they replaced that that former cast member. So some interesting stuff there with that. Um, I, don't, I don't, you know, I didn't notice it watching it, so I don't think it really affected anything. Mm-hmm. But you know, ultimately, I think it just kind of again alludes to this idea of just like the construction of the team, like. They did a lot for Dave's character and, and his daughter's character, um, played by Ella Purnell, but like the other people around them, um, they just didn't get serviced as much as you would you would probably hope for them to be, uh, which is crazy. Again, for as long as the film is, 148 minutes, it's kind of crazy that we didn't get that that sort of crazy. meaningful time to just like really get the get to know the team. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was fine. I guess you know. I guess, I guess ultimately it's one of those things where it's like if you watch it. And to your point, you just want to turn your brain off and just like watch something that's going to be pretty entertaining for the most part. It'll be slow, I think, at at points where you're going to probably check out. But there's enough there that'll keep you engaged throughout the entire ride. There's enough, just enough action, just enough shit that goes down to keep Mm -hmm. you engaged. Uh, But it could have been I think it could have been a little bit, again, more fun across the board. Sounds consistent to me, man. Shout yeah. out to Shades. I hadn't seen him in a while. I'm going to keep calling him Shades. Shades. <laughs> Luke Cage. Yeah. yeah. It's been a minute. 
I still hate him as much as I did before. He's great at being an asshole. Uh, man, people are just really good. Some good people are just really good at being assholes. It's crazy. He's really yeah, good at it. He is. He is. He's probably going to continue to be some sort of villain in anything he plays. It's been yeah. I, I don't. I haven't seen him in anything recently too. So it was good to see him as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. We'll see. We'll see where this, uh, I guess, this potential franchise goes for Netflix. But those are our thoughts on Army of the Dead. If you saw this film, um, definitely hit us up on social. Let us know what you think about it. That's the only movie or TV show we really watched this week. So we're just going to go ahead and get into the news of the week, y'all, and just talk about everything that's just dropped recently. And first, of course, we got to get into this brand new trailer for Eternals. Now, Mm -hmm. Eternals is going to be the 26th film. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 26. That's ridiculous, y'all. This has been a long-awaited film for a lot of fans, just based off of the fact that it was supposed to come out a year ago, and it got pushed back, and... It's directed by Chloe Zhao, you know, who's just coming mm-hmm. off fresh of a of an Academy Award victory for Nomadland, which won Best Director for her and also Best Picture as well, the biggest award of that night. And there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty about this this IP just because of the the low level nature of how they've existed in comic books, mm-hmm. you know, for for all these years. But the Eternals were created by Jack Kirby, and it's interesting because. Jack Kirby left Marvel in the 70s and went over to DC and created the New Gods and the New Gods birthed yep. characters like Darkseid and Granny Goodness and all of these really wacky, zany, extraterrestrial characters. Mm-hmm. And then he actually went back to Marvel and New Gods was like an unfinished property that never had like a formidable conclusion. And so when he went back to Marvel, he created another extraterrestrial race of humans mm-hmm. called the Eternals. Um, so sort of continuing a similar, a very similar idea of beings that exist within within the universe that are extremely, yeah. extremely old. They're they're damn near omnipotent, really. Um, so he created the Eternals. He created the Deviants, and you know, really kind of created this entire new race of of, of superpower beings. And similar to New Gods, this this uh, initial comic run that he that he initiated also went unfinished. Funny enough, so um, here we are, all these years later, and Marvel has decided to adapt this into an actual film, which mm-hmm. is you know really interesting because we thought Guardians was obscure. Oh man, they <laughs> they went they went deep 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 into the bag on this one. I mean, this yeah. is if you want to grade it, we're talking about literally D level heroes. Like nobody knows about <laughs> Eternals. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's right. interesting that they're taking this big swing, but we finally have our first full-length teaser trailer of this film. We got that first small sneak peek in the uh, in the big trailer that Marvel released a few weeks ago that we obviously talked about on the show to get people excited about going back to the movies. But this is the full dedicated trailer for Eternal. So, man, I'm going to just pass it over to you. What did you think about this first teaser? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm just kind of... It's just kind of cool to finally see everybody together, right? Like, before, we kind of seen little... Here are your cat. Here's your cast, you know, and here's (laughs) here's what it is. But now we finally kind of get that shot close to the end of the teaser um, that this is your Eternals team. Uh, Other other than that, I didn't you know, I I don't get much from it because it it is a teaser. So we still have not a clue what this movie is about, to be honest. Um, (laughs) Like, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, And, and, you know, I, I seen you talking about this earlier, too. Where have these niggas been? Uh, first and foremost the question needs to be asked and answered (laughs) it needs to be asked and answered because uh 
I'm not even sure Eternals can be snapped. Uh, to like, I'm not sure is if that's a thing. I was because wondering they that. are omnipotent, like you said, and they are um the, they they were made uh from 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 gods pretty much, right? They right, be yeah. free and uh so I don't yeah I don't know what's going on there, but I'm interested to see what direction they take that in. Uh, I do know it's been rumored uh, that Thanos. Uh, a young Thanos will potentially be in the film um, because a lot of people, I guess, if you don't know now, you know Thanos is literally part eternal, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, right? His father uh, is it a Lars, a Lairs? I still don't know how to say. Omega. I think it's a Lairs. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his father, a Lairs, was an eternal, um, which is actually canon, right? Because when Thanos goes to Vormir, that's how Red Skull mentions him. He says when he greets Thanos, he says, uh, son of Alar. So like he literally mm-hmm. says that, like while he's on Vormir. So that it has to be canon if he said that. Uh, which is interesting. But, you know, if if young Thanos is there, maybe something happens that that explains I don't know what they could do, but you know, they might do something. They'll figure it out. They're 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 the MCU. They know something and they're they're gonna find a way, I think, to make it tie in. Uh but only only other thing I'll say about this teaser is the cinematography in a couple ways isn't where I thought it would be, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the biggest gripes of the MCU, I, for me and for some other people I know, has been cinematography in some ways. Um, because it is a comic book, a lot of t- and especially some of Jack Kirby properties, you do expect it to lean more heavily into... A higher saturation than it is a little more mm-hmm. colors a little more and i feel like the eternals was going to be that i thought it was going to give us crazy guardians looking colors or even thor one i think thor one is actually discounted on how kind of some some crazy stuff they definitely did in that movie look wise uh Very because underrated. it is it's definitely a beautiful movie yeah. um and guardians exist and dr strange exists and i thought we would see some more of that in the eternals like crazy colors uh taika kind of leans into that with ragnarok he 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 leaned into some of them wild even 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 some ragnarok was like slightly desaturated too but like if you like compared i mean he was doing a taika was doing a great job in terms of art direction and, and what it looked like and i just thought the teaser would give me more of that because that's what i see when i see the eternal sign right the when i see uh, the eternals logo i see the galaxy and i'm thinking okay we're about to get into some crazy looking jack kirby shit because jack right. kirby loved colors you literally flip through new gods or flip through eternals or flip you're gonna see I mean, every color on the page is literally <laughs> pages of rainbows, um, and, and I just feel like I didn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're you're, like, you're so yeah. right, but I'm I'm just thinking like there were so many drugs in the '60s, man. If you were that shit, oh gosh. <laughs> and I I just feel like I didn't get that what I expected uh, out of out of the teaser, but maybe it brings it in the trailer. Maybe we just see like these little snippets yeah. where they're not like that. But I I even expected. Uh, the attire of the Eternals to you know even be a, a little bit a, a little bit better in that sense. Uh, but again, uh, other than that, I'm still really excited for the film. Uh, I, again, I think this cast is crazy. A lot of people don't know who they are, which makes me even more excited to be honest. Nobody can't really theorize about shit except for where the hell these niggas were during the snap, which is a fun thing to think about to me. I'm like theorize all you want. I want to hear some crazy shit uh, because I who knows? I have no idea where they. They've been playing in the... I don't know what they could have been doing. I, I don't know. It was high-fiving each other in the basement. 
watching movies or something. I don't. Yeah, I just don't know chilling. what they were. Yeah, they man. Were but that's what I sure. thought about the teaser. It was cool. Uh, it it did make me a little bit more excited just because I know the time is getting closer. Uh, and again, I I think the cast is going to do exceptional. Uh, because that's just what they've made to be. And Chloe Zhao's in this thing, man. Come on. Um, this she's a now an Academy Award winning director. So, you know, bring it. What'd you think about it, man? Well, to continue on with what you literally just left off with, what surprised me about this trailer is what we did not see. And that's the fact that they have not promoted the fact that mm-hmm. Chloe Zhao is the Academy Award winning director of this movie. That was nowhere mm-hmm. to be found in this trailer, yeah. which was just like, huh, that's interesting. You had an opportunity to do so fresh off of the wind to say from Academy Award winning director, Chloe Zhao. But that wasn't that wasn't there. Um, but I guess that just reinforced the idea that Marvel is the cell. You know, it's mm-hmm. not not to say that it's not about the filmmaker, because I don't believe that's true. You know, I, I just think that they've gotten to such a place of dominance that mm-hmm. Marvel Studios is the sell, and that's it. We don't really mm-hmm. need anything else. You know, I, I don't think, now that I think about a lot of their other films, I don't know if anything lately of, of from their film canon has, you know, sort of done that typical cliche, you know, from this director who brought you X, Y, Z, these movies, to, to really get you excited for the sell. Um, but that's just like a small thing. But, you know, you said a lot of stuff that I that I, that I resonate with, very muted colors throughout the trailer. A lot of earth tones, a lot mm-hmm. of browns and greens and a little bit of blue here and there, which mm-hmm. I think speaks to Chloe Zhao's sensibility as a filmmaker, um, especially mm-hmm. after what we saw with Nomadland. Like, it's very right. much like this earth movie, and this feels like an earth movie. It was just so weird because the first shot of the trailer, I'm like, is this Nomadland 2? Because it literally <laughs> looks like a shot lifted from that movie, like this woman standing on the edge of a cliff and the mm-hmm. wind is just blowing in her hair. And I'm just like, where's Frances McDormand? Like, where is she at right now? Um, <laughs> it was just so strange to me because it's like, damn, that was shit. We just saw that movie. But anyway, uh, a lot of earth tones. And, I, you know, I agree with you. May- maybe the best parts of the wacky splashy colors that we're hoping to see. Maybe they're holding those back. It is like you mentioned a teaser. It's still somewhat early. Um, although I wouldn't be surprised if that just wasn't a thing in this movie. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised just because mm-hmm. of the fact, like we know that that's at least from what we've seen, that's not Chloe's style. And I think, mm-hmm. I think signs are pointing to the fact that this might be a little bit more, uh, more grounded in the earth based aspect of these eternals than we, than we probably initially thought. This story, though, spans 7,000 years, you know, and we see mm-hmm. in this trailer that they're going from many, 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 many years ago. They've, you know, these Eternals, they were, they were created by Celestials. They've been on the Earth. Mm-hmm. And the only story beat that we got, you know, and to your point that we don't, we don't know anything about it, the only story beat that we got was a quick voiceover saying that all these years they've essentially... They've, they've lived their existence and they have not interrupted anything with human history. They've not intervened on any any major event within human history until now. Something has transpired that has prompted them to, to, to you know sort of intervene. And I know in the premise it says that this takes place after Avengers Endgame for sure. Mm-hmm. And I am wondering like did half of them get snapped away? But to your point, can they? Like does that mm-hmm. count for them? And 
maybe but maybe that is the inciting incident that somebody somebody you know gets snapped away a part of the blip and then they come back and that's the whole reason that they didn't intervene i don't mm-hmm. know but i do there there has to obviously be a thanos connection i don't think that there's any way that this movie does not delve into the thanos of it all and how right. they have a relationship with him prior to any of these events of avengers films but then mm-hmm. whatever he does I think is an explicit sort of consequence of, of where this film ends up. It has, it just has to be. I feel mm-hmm. like the obvious answer is the answer as we've seen with Marvel, but um, yeah, it, it's still an exciting prospect of a film that I'm looking forward to. And the fact that, yeah, again, we don't know anything about it. Uh, and, and I'm really interested to really just kind of learn more about these characters specifically, like, yeah, you know, how they're being described now and like some of their powers and what they can and cannot do. Like, for example, you know, Jimmy Chan, She's not really considered the leader of the Eternals, but I know Kevin Feige has pointed her out as really kind of the st- story is told from her perspective. So she's mm-hmm. kind of the lead character and she's playing Cersei. But Richard Madden and Selma Hayek as Icarus and Ajax, they're both kind of, kind of considered the leaders of the Eternals. Richard Madden mm-hmm. is like the tactical leader, I think, in this, you know, kind of in the vein of like a Captain America, of what we would think with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Selma Hayek's Ajax is like the wise, veteran, spiritual leader of the team. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they interplay with each other. Brian Tyree Henry playing this, you know, this Fastos character, he's supposed to be just like hella smart. He can, he can invent things, he can create things, he's just like super intelligent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to be like, the first I think openly gay character in the MCU and then they mm-hmm. also have like a, a character that's going to be deaf so there's a lot of firsts that they're also introducing with this so I'm excited to see more of what that looks like um, but we didn't get much of that here of course it's still early there's a lot to, to still uncover and unpack and I know we will over these next few months um, but I, th- I think that they did what they needed to do for the most part to get folks excited and, and to get you know pique people's interest to be like oh what's that I don't know anything about the Eternals and you know I said this earlier on social that this this is the path forward for the MCU the, the only way that they're going to continue to have the success that they've had for 13 years now is to continuously introduce new and fresh stories and characters that we haven't seen before because yes we love our Iron Mans and, and our Captain Americas and Thors but what's going to continue to keep this universe growing and expanding and, and, and as mm-hmm. fresh as it possibly can be is the introduction of new characters and how they're going to interplay with everybody. So that's an exciting prospect. Um, but, but speaking of that, what, what did you think about the part at the end where the fact that they literally called out Captain Rogers and Iron Man where, you know, one of them asked like, Oh, so who's going to lead the Avengers now? So they're explicitly making that connection. Like, yes, mm-hmm. this is, this is within that universe. This is well after end game. And we're, we're literally calling out the heroes that, you know, yeah, I think uh I think it was a good idea to do it cuz I'm my guess is that's like the only one of the only times I think we'll we'll see them uh reference the Avengers that directly like hey, who's going to be the captain of the Avengers. So, I think I think it was a good idea. Um it, it, again, I think it also just reels people in a little bit that this does exist like you said in that exact same time and space. Like, hey guys, the Eternals know who the Avengers are. Don't worry. And I think that's like their their safety belt, just making sure, like, yes, they exist. <laughs> uh, because, you know, people will go all over the place and talk about all kind of things and just not be accurate. <laughs> and that's, this is Marvel here being like, nope, this is what it is. We are telling you right now that this is what it is. So I, 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 think, I think it was a good idea. 
Definitely, definitely. Well, we will continue to be on the lookout for more more promotional marketing material from Eternals. The film comes out this November, November 5th, and it will only be in theaters, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Let's go ahead and shift gears to DC, man. DC rolled out a bunch of news this week. Up first, we just found out the video game Injustice Gods Among Us, the popular video game from DC, is officially being adapted by Warner Brothers Animation and will be the next animated DC movie. And we're going to get our first trailer for that film as a bonus feature on the Blu-ray edition of The Long Halloween Part 2. They are adapting that popular comic book series, The Long Halloween, into a two-part animated film. And so with Part 2, we'll get our first look at Injustice Gods Among Us, the animated film. Um... I wasn't expecting this, but I am very much, very much welcome in this. Uh, How how do you feel about this announcement? Bruh, if if anybody has ever played Injustice, you just know it's one of the craziest DC um, stories ever made. One, because in video games, you have more time than you do in an animated movie. Um, and in a normal movie, to be honest. And two, when it's rated TVMA, or TVMA, when it's rated mature... You know, it's just you can do whatever the fuck you want. So, for those who don't know, just a, a quick plot: Injustice is literally about it's in a parallel universe. I think the Joker literally tricks Superman into killing Lois while she's pregnant. Let's just stop there. What crazy? <laughs> I mean, if I don't even know if we'd ever see that like on the screen. Uh, and he like he like detonates a big ass nuke. I think yeah, <laughs> nuke, nukes it, Metropolis basically. And nukes Metropolis, and it kills a bunch of people. And Superman just starts going fucking crazy, and he becomes a villain. Long story short, that's injustice. It's literally all the heroes against Superman, and it's a great story because we've been talking about this, uh, and even in the the nightmare sequence, right? What if Superman was bad, but injustice has done that? It shows us what happens when Superman is the villain and what can push him to be the villain. Um, and really, they probably they really got that from the Injustice storyline, like in the first place. That's probably where Zack Snyder literally got that uh, the idea of the Nightmare sequence from. So um, I'm just excited that this is happening. Uh, you know, uh, Injustice is kind of old now, so even if you would like to go to YouTube and watch the storyline, it would probably look slightly clunky, but it was, it'll still work for you. But I, I just want to see this in the animation world. I think it's going to come together really well. It's DC animation. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I That's it, man. I can't wait to see it come to life. Like I think it's going to be really dope. Yeah, you know, it. the video game was so popular that it spawned an entire new comic line that they, that they created for Injustice, and so... In between the years of the first game and the second game, which was I think it was like five years in between the two, they had an entire comic line come out to basically fill in the gaps of that five year um, period in between. And there were you know new issues being published, and that expanded the story and expanded on the characters. And yeah, to everything you said, you have this idea of this evil dictator Superman who's ruling the world basically out of out of the fear and the failure of you know. You know, allowing Joker to kill Lois. Unfor- you know, it was, he got tricked, like you mentioned, and his his worst impulses overtake him. He uses all of his force and strength as a Kryptonian. You know, his superiority as a as a physical being to rule over the Earth. And he has a faction of supporters from the Justice League, and then Batman has an opposing faction. So mm-hmm. it's the civil war no pun intended, to the Marvel comic. It's a civil war over the fate of the world, really, between these two opposing factions. And, 
you know, Injustice 2 comes out, it's as successful, probably even more successful than the original game, and it only expanded that story and lore even more. And I think I think with even with this animated movie, I can't see this just being one film. I mean, we know that their animated movies are typically shorter. They're usually, like, between mm-hmm. 75 and 80 minutes. I definitely think that this feels like, you know, Injustice one and then you mm-hmm. do another one for for the second part of the story so i'd be yep. excited to see if they do that route but yeah this is this is a great move traditionally most of their animated movies have been good to really good and i think that they uh they have a good track record of adapting the popular storylines within dc and not mm-hmm. really fucking them up just like telling the story as it is because the story works for the most part like yes change up some things and yes obviously some things have to get cut just due to time restrictions but for the most part with some few exceptions here and there they've done a pretty good job at, at adapting things and i think bringing mm-hmm. it to an animated medium and yeah they've been you know they've been doing this for i mean decades at this point warner brothers animation for what they've done with dc between tv and you know these home video animated films they've been they know what they're doing so i'm fully excited mm-hmm. to see to see ultimately what this looks like and to get like a proper evil superman iteration within yes this is the closest to live action we're getting because, you know, Zack Snyder's not going to be able to see out his vision, which he clearly was going for evil Superman, but... He was um, on his way. He was, he was definitely way. on his way. I mean, the Nightmare movie was right there. It was definitely going to happen. Right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is probably the closest we're going to get in terms of, like, a film or a feature film adaptation. So, looking forward to it. Absolutely. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. DC, man, they also announced... A new Batman series for HBO Max. It'll be called Batman Caped Crusader. And this new animated series is coming from J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Timm. And it's being described as a reimagining of the Batman mythology. Now, we know Matt Reeves is directing that the is Batman film. Yeah, it's crazy. Matt Reeves <laughs> is directing the Batman film coming out next year with Robert Pattinson. J.J. Uh, Abrams is, you know, he, he has this big production deal with HBO Max and Warner Media. He's obviously attached to this now, and he's also attached to the Green Lantern series. He's mm-hmm. attached to this Black Superman movie that they're apparently doing. And then we know Bruce Tim, the legend, he created or, you know, co-created Batman the Animated Series, which, I mean, all of this shit is... Is is the son of Batman the animated series? If we're being honest about it, so this is this is interesting. A reimagining of the Batman mythology. What could that mean? I, I know you're excited. I think that, that that goes without saying. But what could that mean? And do you think that this might be a worthy follow up to the original animated series, which is so beloved at this point? Man, I'm not even sure. But I, what I do know is I trust these three people in a room together to give me something I've never seen before. Because that is just just ridiculous uh to talk about man i think it's it's like bruce tim is gonna first of all he's gonna give us the art like it's gonna be dark as hell uh even even the the poster we see batman already looks a slightly different like his ears are long as shit for whatever reason uh and and then you have matt reeves in my mind he's he's just gonna be the the person to come up with the craziest ideas he's the reimagining part in my mind like he's Mm. gonna be the person that's gonna be like okay what if we did this and JJ is the person he's gonna throw in the theatrics, right? JJ knows how to how to flare some shit up. He's gonna make some shit cost money, but it's gonna at least look good. Um, and I I think this is gonna be a really good team uh, to put together in a film. I think I, I I believe them when they say a reimagining. I don't know what that means. I don't. I have no idea what direction they could possibly go in because Batman is one of those beloved characters, but we've seen his story 85,000 times. So it's like, so, so what are, what are we doing here? Right. 
Um, and, and I think that's that's the exciting part. Uh, it's these three people put together, plus the possibilities uh, when you tell us that it's a reimagining. Okay, is Batman? I don't know. Is he a villain somehow? But he's trying not to be. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I just I, I just can't wait to see what they have up their sleeve because it's it's, it's a great team. Certainly, they got the right people involved. I think what I'm most excited about is the fact that this seems like it's going to be another mature take on the character because we've gotten, I mean, there's never not really a time where there's not some sort of Batman series that's Mm -hmm. playing, right? Like there's usually always some form of like a Batman animated Mm -hmm. series that's on air. Um, Obviously, I mentioned the original Batman, the animated series, which kind of started all of this, but they have other series that have come around, such as, you know, Brave and the Bold, and they've done like another show called The Batman, you know, which was pretty popular in its day. So they've always had something, but this seems like... This seems like the actual spiritual successor to Batman the Animated Series, at least based on who's involved. Um, I, I don't expect it'll be you know, connected to that, obviously, just based on the fact that they're going to reimagine the mythology. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, really reading between the lines on that, reimagining of the Batman mythology, what that says to me is that this could be a world where Batman is maybe not Bruce Wayne, where... Yeah. Maybe he is Bruce Wayne, but his parents are alive. Maybe the inciting incident to create Batman is something completely different and unfamiliar. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when you say Batman mythology, you're talking about the core elements of the story of Bruce Wayne that they inherently seem like they're going to be changing. So I wonder if this is going to create new characters that we might have never seen before. Um, It's it's interesting. We we don't know much besides what they've announced, but it's interesting at what this could potentially be. Now, I think you have to balance that out with the fact that obviously, if people come to a Batman show, there's certain things that they expect and want to see. There's certain there's certain villains and certain characters and possibly even storylines that people want to see. But um, I I think that they may be able to strike a balance of doing that while still achieving something that we we. We just haven't gotten before. So um, the last thing I'll say is that HBO Max as the host platform for this show. Yes. Really cool idea, which also tells me that this is likely going to be something that's very mature. You know, they're not just putting this on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they're co-producing it with Cartoon Network, but I don't think it'll go there first, you know. So, right. again, this doesn't seem like it's going to be one of those, like, Saturday morning children's shows. I think this is no. going to be a very prestigious, hopefully a very prestigious animated um, tale yeah. of, of Batman. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like, but I'm excited for it. I think they... I think they they seen the success that Harley Quinn had, right? Harley Quinn is literally a rated I, I keep these ratings is throwing me off tvma rated r uh <laughs> you know animated series of madness right take the success of harley quinn and you take away a darker character you know what i mean and you give it and it's batman and i think i think they seen how interested people were in that and uh and i, I think that's what they're giving us right i hope i hope he brands niggas i don't know maybe <laughs> but, <laughs> like get what? the Zack snyder going Get the Zack Snyder going. It could be uh, gods and monsters. That nigga was a fucking vampire. He was biting oh, people. Yeah. Like I, let's do it. You know what I mean? I, I'm excited for that because that that's just cool. Like we, something we've never seen before, and you just have to be excited. Tons of possibilities for sure. In other news, in another side of the Bat family, uh, we just found out that 
the Batgirl movie that's being planned for HBO Max is going to be helmed by the duo that directed Bad Boys for Life, Adil El Arbi and Bala mm. Fala. Um, what's interesting about this to me as well is that they're also directors on Miss Marvel for Disney Plus. That 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 Marvel Studios really? show that's coming out on Disney Plus later. Yeah, they're. Uh, mm. I don't think they're directing all episodes, but I think that they are directing mm-hmm. um, probably a couple of episodes. I think that this might. That might actually be the first series that has multiple directors come in and out. I think they're trying something a little bit different. But now mm-hmm. they're going to be directing this Batgirl uh, movie, which I think that's also news because I know we were wondering if it was going to be a series or a film. Sounds like it's going to be a movie and that's going to come out exclusively on HBO Max. So, uh, yeah, they got a new job lined up and ready to go for them. It sounds good to me. I mean, I like Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I I think they'll have fun with the with the project, man, because there was also a good amount of action in that movie too. So that means Batgirl hopefully is gonna bring it. Yeah, I'm just interested in what you know what the what are these dudes pitching because they they have now, I mean Miss Marvel and Batgirl, like these are two female centric stories, female comic book characters, and these are two yeah. men directing it That's the miss marvel one makes a little bit more sense i think of the the, the cultural connections um mm-hmm. this one just kind of feels out of nowhere but i don't know man they might have had an interesting pitch but yeah it's just i i just wouldn't have expected it these wouldn't have been the two guys that i've been like yeah they're directing bad girl oh but they're like weird though like they also have done like episodes of snowfall and they've also done like um what's it called uh oh they they're scheduled to do the upcoming uh Beverly Hills Cop, I think. They just got a weird... Oh! The, yeah. Beverly wow, Hills the, Cop the, 4. Yeah. The movie they've been trying to make for 30 years? Jesus. Right. Exactly. And I think they're they're slated to do that, too. So they're just, like, all over the place kind of people. I think they just... Yeah. Like, literally, like, crazy action stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, now that you brought it... Yeah, the, the fact that you brought up Snowfall and Beverly, Beverly Hills Cop 4, it seems like that they have a... Uh, uh, a keen sensibility for crime and action. So mm-hmm. Bad Girl would definitely fall right into that. So that makes sense. So we'll continue to stay updated and see what happens with the Bad Girl movie. In other DC news, Painkiller, which was going to be the Black Lightning spinoff show, is no longer moving forward at the CW. Um, we we reported, or excuse me, we talked about this a while ago on the show. We found out that they were going to make a spinoff to Black Lightning, which is currently in its final season, season four on the CW. Um, and they were going to continue, I guess, this mythology with a painkiller spinoff, but no more. It's not happening. They have officially canceled that uh, that series order. It won't get a pilot, and that's kind of the end of Black Lightning altogether. That's, that's really it. Uh, what do you think about that? Thank God. First and foremost, I mean, because what? First of all, I'm gonna be honest, bro. I don't like Jordan Calloway as an actor. I just don't think he's good. Uh, it's not that good. Uh, no, he's just not good. I think he picks bad projects. Um, he was in Drumline, a new beat with Alex Ship. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> Which some people just don't have. One, they don't have good agents, and some people just aren't good. Alex Ship. I just don't think she has a good agent. I think she is good. She just doesn't have a good agent. Jordan Calloway. I just don't think he's good. I think he. <laughs> He's just here. Uh, maybe he'll be good later down the line, but it's not it. And I was not interested in that shit at all. The painkiller, it don't even sound good to me. It is it just none of it just was adding up. It Yeah. So I'm happy this is not happening. Not to be yeah. a hater, but I'm a hater, I guess. <laughs> no, no, you. I, I agree. It's I think it's the right move. He he's not he's not the strongest element 
to Black Lightning. He's mm-hmm. like the fifth or sixth most interesting Literally thing to that show. the worst actor on the show. Yeah, Everybody so else I, is like Loki killing it, and he's just not good. I think that they just looked. Uh, there were. I, I remember. I, I think it was season two when he, you know, really sort of to start to become mm-hmm. painkiller. I think that there was like that one action scene in the house where he was just like fucking a lot of people up and I think they just looked at that and said like oh yeah he needs a show like let's give him a show he's mm-hmm. physical you know there's I mean yes he's physical there's physicality sure. but to carry mm-hmm. an entire show that is that's a lot of work and we like DCW shows they're still you know I think they're still one of the few networks that 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 still order like 20 plus episodes a season like every mm-hmm. time they roll out a new season we're talking 20 22 23 episodes a season you're working all year, and so to carry an entire show is no easy feat, and he just, he ain't got that. I don't think he got that to be doing that, so this was probably done for the better, uh, and I don't, I literally don't know anybody that would have talked about it or watched it. That I just can't. <laughs> you point him out to me, because that would have been that would have been news to see anybody right. wanting to see Painkiller. Exactly. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see if they uh, have any other shows that they'll move forward with, but uh, CW, it seems like that they're trying to trying to figure out what their next phase of their superhero shows are going to be uh, going to be in the in the near future. Um, switching gears to talk about Netflix, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness just dropped its first trailer. It's going to be jo- dropping July 8th on Netflix. This is going to be um, a, a CGI animation series for Resident Evil, and it's actually going to have... Uh, the the stars from Resident Evil Two, Leon and Claire Redfield, they're they're going to sort of lead this film. Um, and this trailer was uh, it was just released last week, I think, just to give us like our first look at it. Um, yep. Are you are you excited for this Resident Evil series? I know they, they they've done like CG animation stuff in the past. They've had some movies. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of them personally, but I know they've you know they they've delved into this before. But now they're doing like a Netflix series. Are you excited mm-hmm. to watch this at all? Yeah, so the previous uh, Resident Evil kind of CGI-ish movies aren't that good, um, but I'm actually, I don't know if I'm excited for this, but I'm not turning the other eye either. I, I think I am looking forward uh, overall to watching it because I haven't seen something like this in a while, um, and just knowing the place that CGI is in right now, uh, it, it, it is different and it does feel a little bit better. And Resident Evil is coming off of a lot of really good steam uh, between uh, Resident Evil 8 just killing it. I know so many people are playing Resident Evil Village right now, uh, and it's it's really doing a, a, a good job sales and numbers-wise. Um, and, you know, uh, they're also Resident Evil 2 literally came out a couple years ago. Resident mm-hmm. Evil 3 came out last year. Like, it's, they're just really on a roll right now, and I think it – I think Netflix is a good space here as well for them to do this. Um, I don't think it, they can fail a lot here. Plus, I think the accessibility to gamers and Netflix they can go hand in hand as well. So I think I think this is I think it's a good idea for them. I, it says the the events take place between Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil Five, um, which we have no idea what was happening in in between that time because the events to Resident Evil 4 and 5 are just so drastic to me, I guess, as, mm-hmm. as a gamer. Like, Resident Evil 5, I was like, what the hell's going on here? Um, but it, it, it's cool to see, um, you know, Leon helm a movie, uh, and Claire to to even be in the movie. Claire is like, she doesn't get talked about a lot. She's like the, out of all the main characters, she's probably the one that's overlooked the most because yeah. everyone else is just so badass. Uh, like, Jill's a badass Leon, of course, and Chris. That's, in my mind, that's like a big three. And Claire's like a, 
a point. She's like the point five on the big three. It's like three point five. Um, and, and may, you know, maybe maybe something like this will will help her in the ranks or something. You know, uh, but it, it it'll just be cool to see where they go. I'm, I'm interested to see the story as a Resident Evil fan. So yeah, I think it's a good idea, and I, I guess I am looking forward to watching it. We'll see we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, man, the Netflix is in the Resident Evil business because in addition to this animated series, they also have a live action series that they're currently working on as well, um, which is going to be broken up into eight episodes or each going to be an hour. So it'll be, you know, sort of an eight hour story that they're doing. They're also, you know, I think currently filming that right now. So Netflix is, Mm -hmm. you know, bought in completely to this this whole Resident Evil franchise. But to everything you said, I don't really have much to add. I think the fact that they have a lot of momentum right now is why they're doing this, and that that's just a smart business thing to do. The games lately have been really good. They've received a lot of acclaim, um, you know, which has not always been the case. Like, sometimes we have this moment where the games are doing really well, but then you have, like, that movie series, which is not all that good. Like, sometimes they'll have, like, an okay <laughs> movie, but then a lot of them are trash. Now we might be in a place to where they're coming out with fire ass games and also really really good TV series as well. That'll be mm-hmm. a that'll be a great moment for Resident Evil. Um, and I mean, still technically at this point, they are the most successful video game adaptation. At, you know, when it comes to like film yeah. or TV at this point, because yeah. that Resident Evil that initial film series uh, they they've grossed like over a billion dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, total grossed over a billion dollars. So that's far and away the most successful thing your mileage may vary on quality of course but again mm-hmm. i think this is another opportunity to be on a platform to everything you said that that makes a lot of sense netflix is going to reach the biggest audience possible a lot of people love resident evil always have so seems like a smart move and i'm definitely gonna check it out i, I want to see what it looks like and, and how it goes and i think sure. it also you know help get excited for for the live action series as well so we'll we'll, we'll see what it looks like july 8th on netflix um another netflix news money heist just dropped a trailer and part five is officially coming this year they just announced that volume one of part five is dropping september 3rd and volume two is going to drop three months later december 3rd and so part five is blink being split up again into two volumes it's going to be 10 episodes so volume one will have five volume two will have five um i have to admit i have not watched this trailer because i'm literally watching money heist right now and i cannot be spoiled i cannot mm. do it so mm-hmm. i literally saw this come up and i was like can't look at it i just gotta you know i'm just gonna have to revisit it later because i'm watching a show right now <laughs> amazing series i can't wait to you know get through everything and be finished with it and be all caught up um and i'm certainly even i'm so early into it now i'm only you know on part one which is like season one for them i'm i'm so invested in the show and it's so well done and so well crafted and i just think it's amazing that this has become like the most popular non-english language show in the world it's become like Mm -hmm. this huge huge phenomenon across the world and so i think part five when it arrives later this year is going to be very very anticipated obviously people have been waiting on this and the fact that they're going to be able to split this up over two parts and really kind of drag it out and just like soak up all these final season series finale vibes it makes sense it's Mm -hmm. a good business move keep the conversation going so i'm looking forward to it Dude, I, I haven't gotten a money heist yet, but I hear a lot of good things, and it looks good. Just the the art direction is very consistent. Like, I, I can kind of tell what's happening, uh, which is nice. So, a lot of times that speaks to the quality of your show, too, um, even though, like we talked about, Netflix doesn't do marketing. So, if you can, like, recognize a show that doesn't do marketing really well, and the show must be good. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm still excited to watch it. It's on my list. So, soon. Not yet, but soon. Definitely a good point there. 
in other news, Knives Out 2 continues to stack its cast like a goddamn Crazy. dream team from 92. <laughs> Leslie Odom Jr. and Kate Hudson have officially joined the cast of Knives Out 2. Um, again, this film is going to be coming out on Netflix. Ryan Johnson, the director, is returning as well as Daniel Craig. They join already who's been added. Dave Bautista, Katherine Hahn, Edward Norton, and Janelle Monet. So now we have Leslie Odom Jr., Kate Hudson. Um, how do you feel? About these, I mean, what 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 more can we say about this cast at this point? Hey, really, Kate Hudson is far left because I don't think that woman been in a movie since like 2009. It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute. Like I've seen her in like two things all together. Honestly, yeah, it's been a really long time. But um, everything I've seen her in, you know, it's not like I disliked her or anything. It just is crazy because she was like a rom comer, uh, you know. So it's it, it'll I think it'll be interesting for her too. Because this is probably um, a, a change in pace for her. Like I said, she hasn't been in much. So for her to go to a to a film like Knives Out is really crazy to me. Uh, but also, you got Leslie Odom Jr. on the other side, who has just been killing it, bro. I mean, he was like literally Sam Cooke for an entire movie. Uh, like he was like the actual person, Sam Cooke. It was crazy. Uh, but I, I think... You know, I th- I think he has a lot of steam right now too. I think he's getting really good at acting, uh, and I'm excited to see if he exercises his chops here too. Um, I think a lot of these actors that are being picked up are going to be like going crazy the entire film. So uh, excited to see them be at it, man! Can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, we uh, man, we have James Bond, Drax, Agatha <laughs> Harkness, uh, Incredible Hulk. Uh, <laughs> Uh, um, what's his name from Hamilton? Um, Burr. Oh, Burr. Burr, Aaron Burr. Uh, yeah, and Janelle Monet. Like, what is going on here? What is what is the story? I'm really trying to figure this out. What is the story? Because again, this Wild. is not this is not going to be a family story. It can be. Nope. I mean, these people are all over the place, so it's no way it could be a family story. You talked about that last week. Shit, maybe it's something in the workplace, but you know, I, specifically, I. I can't really say anything about Kate Hudson because, again, I, I've seen her in like two things. So I, I truly mm-hmm. don't have an opinion. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to see what she plays here. Leslie Odom Jr., obviously super exciting news just because he's he's, he's truly taken off now, um, yep. which is well deserved. He's so talented. Hot, hot, hot. hot. Um, I, who else? Who else can they add? They're, you, we, we know they're not done. Um I'm I'm gonna go ahead and lobby. Let, let's get a let's get Florence Pugh in here. Let's let's okay. throw in Florence Pugh. Let's <laughs> I um, like it. let's throw in um. Who else can get we us, throw in here? Get us a nice Jarrell Jerome in there. Get a Jarrell Jerome. Uh, okay, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, I mm-hmm. like that Jarrell Jerome in here because it seems like they are going for. Like we're we're starting to see like I don't want to say young talent as an age, but young in like Hollywood age mm-hmm. like. Batista is still relatively new when it comes to acting. Leslie right. Odom Jr. is still relatively new. Janelle Monae relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a nice nice mix of veterans too. Hey. Daniel Craig, yeah. Catherine Hahn, Edward Norton. They they're all vets. So they should throw yeah. like a Rosario in there. You know? Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Or like that a, could be uh, interesting. Or even like a um, even like a Zoe Zoe Saldana. You know, oh, that'll be I, that that'll catch me off guard. I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect yeah, Zoe. Yeah. But that could be that could be exactly. something. That exactly. That could be something. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll continue to see. I'm sure we'll we'll find out more this week as well. The cast continues to stack up, but let's go ahead and shift gears and talk about actually 
I literally just accidentally closed our show notes. What's what's next on the show notes? Because I accidentally closed the document. Yes, yes, yes. Speaking of, uh, next up is Wonka. Uh, Timothy oh. Chalamet uh, is slated to play Willy Wonka in the new origin tale um, from Warner Brothers. Uh, Wonka will mark the first time that Timothy Chalamet gets to show off his singing and dancing skills with several numbers set to appear in the movie itself. Um, wow. So, so I know... I know we were not wanting this film. Mm-hmm. I know we, we we talked about it like all these origin stories and what's the point, right? Like who who really wants to know where Willy Wonka comes from? Um, and I, you know, I think Timmy Sh- T- Timothy Chalamet was kind of always the front runner. I think he was initially mentioned. You yeah. know, a lot of folks were calling for Janelle. Yeah, let's Janelle Lakeith. You know, yeah. really eccentric, switch race it up. bending, switch it up. Yeah, but uh, they went with Timothy here. The only reason that I'm now looking forward to this movie, I didn't, I don't know if they had already announced this or if this just got announced along with Timothy, but Paul King is directing and he made Paddington 1 and Paddington 2. Mm. So I literally have to buy in and see it just based off of that because those movies are exceptional. That's the Mm -hmm. only reason I'm excited for this. Otherwise, I'm still on the train of why are we doing Willy Wonka? But, you know, the fact that, the fact that they got a really, really good filmmaker behind it has me it has me somewhat intrigued. I'll just say that about it. Interesting. I am I'm intrigued. I still haven't seen the Paddingtons, unfortunately. Uh but you know, also I get maybe that combination, if he is the filmmaker you say he is, you know, with no matter what you say about Timothy Chalamet, he is a very talented young cat, man. Uh and so you know, maybe maybe it does turn into something. I did not know he could sing a dance, so maybe that know that either. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's a whole thing uh, that we that we run into. But you know, that was the reason people's like Janelle does. She's right here, um, so maybe the surprise in Timothy will will get people too. But you know, I'll watch it. Hopefully, it's as colorful <laughs> as uh, we we think it's going to be. Um, but who knows? I, it's an origin story, so I actually have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, this is this is going to be before the creation of the Chocolate Factory. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, we'll obviously have to get a lot of the, I guess, the groundwork to that story. And I, I you know, I imagine the end of the movie is going to literally be the opening of the Chocolate Factory. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Timothy, he's he's doing some I'm just curious, curious choices lately. I mean, he's done up until this point, he's done purely just like straight dramatic roles. Like, that's really just what he's been known for. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think which I think has been a good move because he's really showing off his chops and in, in what he can what he can contribute. But now, like he has this, which is you know big IP. He's a part of Dune, you know, yep. which is a big big intellectual property. Although Dune is like high intellectual fantasy type shit. It's like mm-hmm. it's it, it it it's a franchise. It's potentially a franchise, but it's also it's kind of its own thing just because of like how intelligent and. and it's supposed to yeah. be, but yeah, he's doing mm-hmm. some he's doing some interesting choices lately. So yeah, I, I guess we'll 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 see what it looks like. In other news, a Black Lady sketch show has been renewed for season three by HBO. We literally just found this out before the show. A Black Lady sketch show proven to be popular. It's getting another season on HBO, so it sounds yep. like it's it's heading in a good direction. I've not watched this show. I know you saw a little bit of it, um, mm-hmm. and, and and you know I think that there's obviously a fan base here, so it seems like it's a good thing that's continuing to keep going. Yeah, I again I watched the first couple episodes and I was not feeling it. But in the nature of a sketch show, I think it's my fault for not giving it enough of a chance. 
Um, I'm I just probably just need to continue to watch it. But for me, uh, it felt of course it's a sketch show, so saying it felt forced isn't right. But it just didn't feel like I laughed as much as I was supposed to laugh. Like I think mm. the two episodes I watched, I think I laughed like once for both episodes. But maybe it's like one of those things where I was thinking too hard, or. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's even like some underlying bias of holding black women to a certain threshold that I could have been doing, which is also very possible. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I do I would love to revisit um, because it, it's doing great, and I've heard other people talk great about it. Just those first couple episodes are not doing it for me, so I'm, I'll definitely revisit and I will report back to the show um, because I am interested. I love sketch shows, of course, uh, and and I love black women. So it's like, how can those two things not meet? Watch me watching the show. So I'm, I'm gonna try it again. Certainly. Definitely let us know how it is. Um, Speaking of deals, Barry Jenkins has moved his overall TV deal from Amazon to HBO and HBO Max. And it's going to be a two-year first-look TV deal with HBO and its streaming sibling, HBO Max. And under this new pact, A24 is going to executive produce all HBO Max pastel projects and partner with the productions companies Jenkins and Mark Seriak on select projects outside of the deal. So... A lot of business speak that I don't really I don't really understand, just to be honest with you. But it just sounds like a big move to go from Amazon to HBO. We know that Barry Jenkins currently has the TV series The Underground Railroad, which is, you know, available right now on Amazon Prime. Um, I've heard really good things about it thus far, but it seems like he's going to go ahead and transition over to HBO and work with them. They're obviously in an interesting place with this new Discovery merger. I know also Robert Pattinson just got a first look deal. He's going to be producing mm-hmm. stuff. We've talked about Issa Rae and the deal that she got. They're, they're just handing out deals left and right. Like People are coming on board. A lot of production partners, a lot of creatives are going to be moving forward with, with projects with uh, HBO Max and Warner Media, but uh, Barry Jenkins looks like he's expanding his uh, empire here to, to to do a little bit more with the with the company. Absolutely, man! It's always great to see. Um, we love Barry Jenkins. We love A twenty four, man, uh, and we love HBO. And I think those three those three things will meet uh, in in a good ways. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see whatever comes of it. I think. Uh, I still haven't finished Underground yet, but it looks beautiful. I watched like part of the first episode. So I'm just like imagining future projects with that same, because Barry Jenkins, I don't know what his DPs be doing, but I mean, they be killing it because everything he made just looks really good. Um, So I'm I'm excited to see what other projects he has in his pocket for, for HBO A24, man. Definitely. Well, last week, as I just mentioned, we talked about the merger of Warner Media and Discovery to create a new powerhouse entity in the world of entertainment and media. The streaming wars obviously continue and we find out new developments all the time. And literally right after we talked about that, we found out some other huge major news. Amazon is very, very close to closing a deal to buy MGM for $9 billion. Now, MGM, short for Metro Golden Mayor, one of the longest standing Hollywood studios in existence. You know, they were one of the original big five studios. They, they really kind of pioneered the studio system for, for decades from the 1920s to the fifties. I mean, again, they were one of the, if not the foremost, like most prolific and major powerhouse player in Hollywood during mm-hmm. that time, they've gone through a lot since, since those golden age days, they've gone through a lot of like, 
buyouts and mergers and their identity um, has, you know, sort of like shifted across the board with, you know, who owns them or who are they a part of. Um, and they, you know, they even had a period of bankruptcy, but they've been operating for, for uh, you know, just decades, you know, almost a century at this point, over a century at this point. Um, so they have quite a massive, massive library worth of stuff. They have over 4,000 different films and 17,000 hours of television. Um, if you don't know what's included in this, obviously classics like Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz, but also big franchises like Rocky and The Hobbit. Um, on the television side, you'll see titles including Fargo, The Handmaid's Tale, um, along with a lot of unscripted stuff like Survivor and Shark Tank. And then, of course, we can't forget James Bond. Um, their home has been with MGM since the mm -hmm. beginning, um, that partnership between MGM and the Broccoli family. So... This is not nothing to sniff at. They got a lot of mm -hmm. shit. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll just say $9 billion, one, seems like a steal. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. seems like a steal. And two, that is a drop in the bucket for Amazon. So pretty sure that this deal is going to close probably like right after the show premieres. It'll be it'll be signed, sealed, delivered, I think, because I don't think right. they'll see any sort of pushback um, from a legal standpoint. I don't know really anything about that, but I, I don't see a reason that they would. And MGM has been pursuing a buyer for a couple of years now. I think we, we started to hear about some of this news last year when mm -hmm. the pandemic had initially started and it looks like Amazon's going to buy for it. But this is this is kind of crazy. Absolutely. I'm I'm actually really surprised that Disney didn't do this first. In a lot of different ways. One, a lot of these things exist on Hulu. Like a lot of MGM shit is on Hulu currently. Mm -hmm. um, like you brought up, I think, uh, Hand Handmaid's Tale. What? Like imagine that's just not, or, you know, I don't know. Of course, maybe they finished their deal. But imagine like the show ends and then it like moves to Amazon randomly. When that was like Hulu's banger. Like yeah. Handmaid's Tale is Hulu's Orange is the New Black. That's really yeah. what it was. That's It brought so many people to Hulu. And a to potentially see that be gone is weird shark tank hello y'all used to watch shark tank like every meal like you could ask old roommates like i would when i eat when i would just watch an episode of shark tank because i really fucks with shark tank um but it, it's, it'll be weird and i see that on hulu just weird small stuff it's like huh disney didn't take advantage of this first um it's, it's just really interesting to see uh, I I need Amazon to also put some money into the UI too, because uh, they just yeah, still they still really don't do. care. Yeah. They just still don't care, I guess. But like <laughs> you out here buying studios and you can't even whatever, dude. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Hopefully they're working on an overhaul. But uh, it's crazy to see, man. This all this does is make Amazon uh, another crazy competitor, right? I mean, wow. Uh, they're they're trying to they trying to raise the ranks. Really, it's, in my mind, what I see is like a horse race, right? And Netflix has been in front for a very long time. And then Disney comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and everyone's right. like shouting for Disney. But then the third and the fourth horses are like HBO and Amazon going at it. And that's what's happening right now. HBO and Amazon is going crazy. And they're trying to figure out who's going to come in third place. Uh, and, and they're still racing for it. And we haven't figured it out yet. But it's, it's, it's really is a, it's a big buy. But like you said, it's a steal. Not nine bill. What? For, yes. Imagine you turn on Amazon one day and every Bond movie is on there for not not what? That's what it's gonna be. That's what it's gonna be. I mean, crazy. I, yeah, that's that's gonna be crazy to see like the the the, the long term implications of it. And I, you know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna just say it from a content perspective. You know, 
HBO mm-hmm. is still head and shoulders above everybody at this point. Uh, right. We know from a we know from a subscriber perspective they exactly way way behind. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a- Amazon is actually really in second place when we look at it from that from just like a pure number standpoint. So they're only yeah. they're only padding up their stuff. And that and that you know mm-hmm. the, the 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 crazy thing about that is is that. Amazon has gotten there. It was a really smart thing, obviously, to do the whole Prime package, right? But they've gotten there virtually without doing all that much. Like they got That's a true. lot of shit, you know. They got a lot of shit that you can that you can subscribe to and watch. But think about their original offerings. Again, they have like they got they definitely have really really great excellent shows. But if you look at the output of a Netflix or a HBO. They're just a lot more prolific. They put out a lot more stuff. Amazon mm-hmm. has been a little bit more selective. I guess that's been, you know, um, intentional about yeah. their stuff. But now, but now they're like, oh, no, we're, we're really getting into it. They're buying an entire studio. We know that the Lord of the Rings show is coming, which is going to be the most expensive mm-hmm. television series ever made. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like they're actually like getting their hands dirty like they're not they're like no we're not just gonna sit here and coast off of just like we're you know we're packaged with prime like you already got us like they're right i think being a lot more intentional about the moves that they make so yeah this is this is actually pretty insane because it's pretty insane. M- mgm also owns a bunch of shit in their own like in their own right they've acquired they a bunch of studios over his like they own united artists united artists also again mm-hmm. from like the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s were making hella movies. Orion Pictures, they were making hella movies. Like, a lot of these classics that are damn near impossible to find on streaming probably won't appeal to the mass audience, but they will get your cinephiles, like your people who are really dedicated to, like, film and film history. MGM is the studio for that. And so I think they'll get a big, sizable audience based off of that. But even to everything you just said, they're still putting out a lot of new stuff that appeal to people. Handmaid's Tale, very popular show. Fargo, very popular show. James Bond continues to be one of the biggest yep. franchises in the world. Mm-hmm. They still got a lot of shit to offer the world. So I think that this is a. It makes sense for Amazon, and I don't think Disney could have bought them. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if the government would have let that go through. That would have been fucking <laughs> ridiculous, bro. That would have ma- been out of control. James Bond and The Hobbit. To to Disney yeah. to Disney no. yeah <laughs> no nah, dog that's just not we can't that's have like, that right. yeah we can't we can't do that that would have been Creed Rocky to Disney nah, oh, nah. I would have I'd have been fighting but you know we'll we'll see we'll see what the implications are but yeah nine billion dropping the bucket for one of the biggest companies in the world but we'll see we'll definitely see but um let's go ahead and shift gears to uh, some unfortunately sad news this past week the world lost comedic legend paul mooney um paul mooney he is you know he's been he's been a part of the the the, the culture and comedy for decades and decades at this point um he's best known as being a writer for richard pryor um he was a frequent collaborator of Richard Pryor um he definitely wrote for a lot of his shows the Richard Pryor show he wrote a lot of content for that he gave a lot of young comics um who were coming up at that time some of their you know first starts like Robin Williams Marshall Warfield John Witherspoon Tim Reed like a lot of them got their first introductions into the comedy business and breaking into show business through the Richard Pryor show and through the material that Paul Mooney would write for them. Um, he also wrote for other series like Sanford and Son and Good Times. Um, and again, a lot of like cult classic Richard Pryor films, some of those comedy films like Bust and Loose and some of the stand-ups that he did. He eventually would go on to write for In Living Color for the first season, which, you know, was premiered on Fox and that was a part of the, mm-hmm. the Wayne's family. Um, and 
A lot of people probably most know him, I think probably of a younger generation, due to his frequent collaborations with Dave Chappelle. He was a frequent guest on Chappelle's show, um, probably most famous for his Ask a Black Dude segments and Negro (laughs) Damas. Um, Yes, sir. (laughs) Just even saying it out loud makes me laugh still. But, um, man, Paul Mooney, one of the most unfiltered, raw... Mm -hmm just in-your-face comedians that you'd ever, ever, ever come across. I mean, never held anything back, always said what was on his mind. He said the stuff that all of us think, but we just don't really have the courage or the gumption to say it. But he always mm-hmm. said, fuck it, I'm saying it. And a lot of his a lot of his material, you know, dealt with race relations and, and racial social aspects, you know, and obviously a lot of those topics are sensitive and they could be touchy for certain people, but he never pulled punches. The man was raw and unfiltered in like no other way that that, that, that a lot of people have ever been. So, again, he had a long career. Um, he unfortunately just passed away at the age of 79 due to a heart attack. Um, and so we've lost, we've lost, you know, one of the greats um, in, in comedy, unfortunately. Uh, and it's you know it's it's sad to see I think I think he uh, he contributed a lot he definitely has left an imprint on the on the industry and he's influenced so many people you know he's influenced yeah. he's influenced people like Ari Spears and Tommy Davidson and mm-hmm. you know Dave, uh, again Dave Chappelle of course like he's touched so many so many of our most beloved comedians that we've had in black comedy so it's definitely sad to see him go absolutely man it's it's just so crazy just some people will like be on your mind one second and then they'll just pass the next. It's so weird. Um, but, but Paul Mooney, man, what, like what, it's so interesting to see where people come from and where you can go. I just cause one pa- Paul Mooney started as what, like in the circus or something crazy. Yeah, like he, he wasn't was. even, he wasn't even, he didn't even come out the gate a comedian. He was like a freaking ring. What is it called? A ringmaster? ring master? Ringmaster. Yep. Uh, he was a freaking ringmaster at the circus and then later becomes one of the greatest comedians of all time. One of the best to ever do it at that. So never think, you know, what you're doing now is your your end all be all because that's literally proof of the pudding right there. I mean, he literally like what would even not to disc- discredit Richard Pryor, but he wrote for Richard Pryor a lot. Yeah. Like like it was like. They were a duo in a lot of different ways, right? Like it was like Richard Pryor was just the in the front, but Paul Mooney was in the back writing that a lot of that shit. Um, and it's it's just so crazy to see, um, you know, our legends just continue to pass away, especially one like Paul Mooney, who you who you mentioned was so unfiltered um, and, and so raw in those ways. Uh, man, I I need to go back and watch some Negro Domus, man, uh, because. <laughs> Of course, that was one of the the, the earliest times I seen him right before I, I really learned about his history uh, and the mm-hmm. things he's he's done. But once you after you learn all the things he did with Richard Pryor, you go back and you're like, dang, this is part Paul Mooney too, and you yeah. like and you like start to think about those things. Like, man, this dude was really good. Um, and you hear several several comedians who will always put Paul Mooney in some of their their highest influences. You will always hear him say that uh, because he was really that beast of a comedian. Like a lot of people don't understand how much writing really goes into comedy. It is kind of crazy, which is why I think we're seeing a lot of these uh, comedians get so good at going into drama because it's so involved. And like you have to uh, what Jake J. Cole said with every good, jo- good joke contains true shit. It's yeah. like that. 
it's like that because they've wrote so many jokes, they know a lot of true shit. And so that's why, like, a lot of those experiences, you know, you'll see in a lot of comedians work. And Paul Mooney drew that out a lot. You hear it in Richard Pryor. You hear it even in the random small things that Negro Dama says uh, in the in the segments. Like, it, it's just really cool uh, to see that people like this exist, man, and, and to be an inspiration for all of us. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace to Paul Mooney, man. One of the greatest to ever do it. Um and I know we'll miss him, but really the really the, the the comedians. I can't even imagine like being you know one of the comedians who actually knew Paul Mooney, the Dave Chappelle's, and the like you said, the Tommy Lee Davis. All these people, um, you know, who who really looked up to him and on a personal level. I can't couldn't even imagine it, but I know, uh, you know, saying condolences to him, his family, his loved ones, and again, all the people he inspired. Man, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly a, a polarizing figure to say the least, but somebody who contributed. It quite a lot to to the to the culture of comedy across his whole entire life so his contributions obviously will always be remembered due to his legacy and due to how many people he touched so i'm sure he will definitely be missed um and with that said man that's officially it we are down and out this is the season finale season four is a wrap for two black nerds we Mm -hmm. appreciate y'all for sticking with us throughout this this has been it's been a crazy time i think this has been uh my favorite time of the podcast even though we've been doing all of this virtually this entire time because we have to Mm -hmm. um we have done a lot i've been really really proud to see all the things come together but we're just gonna go ahead and take a few weeks off just you know sort of reset kick back a little bit get a start to the summer but we will be back again in a few weeks obviously to talk more that we have to cut you know that that'll be coming out all these movies summer movie season is about to kick off really soon here tv shows are continuing to come out we got a lot a lot to look forward to y'all there's so many movies coming out i'm gonna just name a few just go i'm gonna just go ahead and rattle off a few i want to see what you're most excited about man so we of course we know we got black widow coming the suicide squad shang chi loki's coming out on disney plus horror is about to have a big big summer movie season we got a quiet place part two coming out next week in fact the conjuring the forever purge we just talked about that old that m night Shyamalan movie mm-hmm. we got some sequels coming out escape room 2 and don't breathe 2 and of course mm-hmm. nita costas candy man can't wait for that um a24 our favorite distributor out here putting out some new stuff zola and the green knight are both coming in summer disney always they'll continue to be the machine that they are they got cruella coming out next week as well as jungle cruise later this summer and we can't forget up forget about all the other blockbusters coming in the heights is really soon fast nine looks crazy space jam a new legacy snake eyes we just talked about that and free guys starring ryan reynolds man there's a lot a lot coming out that we will of mm-hmm. course we'll be talking about on two black nerds once we're back for season five Anything sticks out to you, man? What are you most looking forward to over these next few months? Oh, boy. Suicide Squad 1. I know James Gunn is going to do some crazy, nobody is safe shit. Uh, (laughs) I think it's going to be pretty wild. Um, I'm also really excited for Quiet Place Part 2, of course. Literally, every time I watch Quiet Place Part 1, which sometimes I actually just don't watch it because I want to be like wild again like randomly so i think i've only seen it twice but every time i watch it it gets better both times it's, it's just it's just been great so i'm excited to watch it again uh before we watch it later in the week um the conjuring of course y'all know i'm a huge horror nerd uh i just have to be excited man i'm so ready candy man of course who isn't excited for candy man it's been way too long and pushed back way too much um <laughs> and i think everybody's gonna be deep to go see candy man the green knight i'm extremely excited for uh can't lie zola i'm a little excited for it because twitter was cracking when that story came out that shit was crazy uh <laughs> and then uh in the heights because i feel like i haven't seen a really 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 good musical in a long time and i think it's going to deliver and then last but not least fast nine because we know that's about to be batshit 
crazy um, just for some quick hits. Well, I'm excited for more other stuff too on the list, but those are some some really big ones. I'm really 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 excited for man. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm hoping Fast Nine delivers. the The word of mouth hasn't been the greatest so far. I mean, it's making a Uh-oh. lot of money for sure, but the word of mouth isn't the greatest. But I'm still holding out hope that it's going to be good. In the Heights, of course, Lin Manuel Miranda, genius. Definitely looking forward to that. A24, The Green Knight. We've talked about that last week on the show. Looks just like completely like a crazy over the top adventure. Don't know what mm-hmm. to expect from it, but definitely looking forward to it. Candyman. I'm so 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 looking forward to this. Nita Costa. Um, this is going to be the first time I'm exposed to any of her work, and we know she's directing Captain Marvel. Marvel, so of course can't wait for that hearing really great and positive stuff about the conjuring which are they about to get that three-peat man they about to have the three do it back to back great films in the horror franchise never really happened before a quiet place part two getting incredible incredible word of mouth right now i am so i'm, I'm mad i can't see it this weekend i'm not going to be here so i have to wait to see it a few days but mm-hmm. i'm so so eager to see what uh john krasinski and emily blunt do with that and then last but not least shang chi i just know it's going to be some kung fu crazy over the top wild just stuff we've oh, never yeah. seen before in the mcu um mm-hmm. definitely looking forward though to, to those different vibes and energy um again that kung fu sort of influence and style so we got a lot we will be talking about as i said y'all we're going to take a few weeks off but we will be back in a few weeks with season five and we're going to talk about every last one of these movies you can bet on it we're going to be here every week to talk about all this great stuff coming out this big summer movie season but until then man we'll catch y'all next time that's it for us man why don't you go ahead yes. and close this out yes 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 man y'all don't have to rock with us but y'all do uh with that being said man we are audi 5000 appreciate y'all love y'all as always thank you for listening to another episode of two black nerds where we're too black too nerdy and we out y'all peace I get Oliver to set the beats up 2021, I had to wet the streets up Your girl was better in the morning like a slice of pizza That's when I had to hit her with the nice to meet ya You niggas think you doing damage, you just hyping me up Face who? I can see a wall of y'all, all of y'all and run straight through Trust is all fun and games until I wanna play too Adios mio, the ice is frio on the Jesus It's bringing me closer to God, I'm already close to the mob I'm already known as the GOAT, can try and get close but you won't already packed a garage none of these shits is a dodge none of this shits a facade none of this shits a mirage thought i was seeing things when i was seeing green six god cmb yes sir